Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Happy Sad Confused. I'm Josh Horowitz, and this is my podcast. Uh, welcome aboard if you're new to the show. Welcome back. Hopefully you've enjoyed past episodes, and hopefully you're going to enjoy this one. I know I did. This is... You know, it's a cliche to say there are a few people they always talk about as like, this is this is the nicest guy in showbiz. And yeah, you hear the same names over and over again. Tom Hanks uh, and this guy, Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. He really is. He's the coolest guy. I can't even um, tell you. He What you see is what you get with Hugh. He is charming. He is clearly insanely talented. He sings. He dances. He acts. He does it all, including starring in a... Uh, a kind of a small production on Broadway right now. It's really cool. It's called The River, um, and we talk about this one a bit. It's a challenging play. It's a, it's 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 edgy material. It's from a really talented playwright named Jez Butterworth, and it's uh, if you can get tickets, go out and check it out because you have not seen Hugh do a role like this before. Uh, and the good news, as we talk a little bit about in the podcast, is that. Um, despite it being clearly going to be a sold-out run, and it runs through early February, um, they're making tickets available each and every day. So go to the website for the show uh, for uh, The River and uh, get the details on how to um, get in to see it, because it's 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 worth your time. Uh, as is this podcast, because as I said, Hugh is super awesome in every conceivable way. Uh, we got a chance to kind of go down memory lane a little bit and talk about his uh, beginnings, uh, getting, you know, Wolverine was the one that obviously made his career and uh, the story of how he got that and the struggle for that is fascinating. Um, plus, lots of cool stuff along the way, his his ups and downs and to the point where he is kind of ruling Hollywood within iron very pleasant fist. <laughs> um, this is this was a treat. Hugh is is, uh, is somebody that I've been privileged to get to know the last few years, and uh, and to think that he took the time out from his bu- very busy schedule um, to come by when he really didn't have to is uh, it's a it's a huge honor. So I hope you guys enjoy this one as much as I did. Uh, as always, guys, go over to wolfpop.com. Check out our other shows over there. There's so much good stuff. Uh, hit me up on Twitter, Joshua Horowitz. And uh, in the meanwhile, the only thing you have to do, it's really easy, is sit back and enjoy this podcast interview with Mr. Hugh Jackman. Is everything good? Things are good. Great. Things are good. Uh, busy but good. As, as they are. So this you, is I'm your sure. office. Office. This is literally where the magic happens. This you can see it. I'm bouncing off of a lot of silliness. This is a, a painting by Danny McBride of me. Oh really? <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> um, so at the end of this interview, you are you have to obviously paint a do something. Something. I'll just do it directly on the wall. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like a child, like the child that you are. <laughs> um, no, thanks for doing this because obviously, um, congratulations! I saw you after the play recently. Yeah, thank you, you for coming, man. Oh, of course. And you don't because I know you got nothing on. I got nothing going on. Lucky it's a short play. It, that's right? always good. Um, no, but uh, I mean, you know, I know you don't have to do press for this. This must be a sold out run. And are you enjoying it? How's it going? Loving it. You know, I, and I think one of the reasons I want to sort of get out and tell people about it is. Apart from the play, and Jez is one of the great playwrights out there, and I love the fact that everyone going in there has no idea what's going to happen. Right. Um, but also I love what Sonia Friedman, the producer, has done, and Paul Libin at uh, Circle in the Square by offering tickets for everyone. You know, So there are we release tickets each week for 35 bucks. Yeah. So if people want to see it, 
Um, I, I was like one of those. I was one of the ones who queued up yeah. and did standing room only for shows. I, I heard was, you talk about that for for for, for, for Huey, right? Yeah. yeah. And so if there's people like that, I just love that they've made that available, and not just a few tickets, like a lot of tickets each That's week. Awesome. So yeah. So. Yeah, and there, as I said to you, there's not obviously there's not a bad seat in the house. It's a small right. theater. It's eight rows back, which crazy. in any theater is a house seat, right? Right. That's right. that's your top that's seat. The best, that's yeah. the back row. Um, it's just so intimate, and it's I'm just loving doing that. It's been such a long time since I've done that. I mean, obviously when you're drama school and early on, everything's yeah. small, right? Because yeah. you can't feel it. But uh, now it's it's such a thrill to go just back to that intimate space. Is this as close as you get to kind of like the routine, like a day job, like your home, yeah. obviously? Yeah. You have a routinized schedule. I love it. I'm a quiet I'm – I'm a – what's the politically correct term for it? I was thinking of something which is – but I'm a pack horse. Mm-hmm. I am quiet as an actor. I mean, I love the things that change, but I give me a routine and I'm happiest, yeah. particularly this routine because uh, I get to – I finish and I'm home and I, I sit on my son's bed and chat with him for half an hour about his day, but I'm there when they come home from school. Yeah. I can be there in the morning. I can hang out during the day. So you get – you feel like you're having two days in one. You're doing a job that you – I love going to work and I love being at home. So it's – or doing whatever. So what are you finding – because you're probably a month or two in now. You've got yeah. a, a little more to go obviously. Um, are you – how do you not go to autopilot mode? I mean you've done these long runs before, obviously longer than this one even. Yeah. It, it, like do you have devices where like – where you know where you can it's feel the way it? You direct, it's the way you're directed. It's the way you rehearse. Mm-hmm. So a director who leaves things really open for exploration might give you a color to play in a scene or a, a point of concentration rather than I need you to hit that. And when you do this line to get the laugh, you go to uh, right. say it like that. The more specific they are, the harder it is to break out of that and yeah. the harder it is not for it to feel routine. But right. it's literally like – Okay, I can give you two analogies, see which one works for you. <laughs> one is like if you're a golfer, it's the same game. You're hitting the same ball with the same clubs, right. but day one of a major or day two, you want you are wanting it to be better and better every time. You want to go deeper. You want to play that shot, but you're never fully satisfied. Right. Um, the other analogy I have used in the past is sex. I mean, it's, let's hopefully <laughs> listeners are not going to have sex just once in their life. Right. <laughs> Each time, right? It's great. That's what theater is. Theater is sex. Do you feel like it's interesting because you yeah, – no, no follow-up on that, obviously. But, but, I mean, you've done obviously such different kinds of shows where you do like this roaring big musical like Boy From Oz that has yep. like the audience hooting and hollering yeah. throughout. Yeah. And this one, it's so still and you can hear a pin drop yeah, at times. Yeah. You must get off on that in a different way of 100%. just hearing that silence and just everybody's in it. In a way, there's something in common. There is an electricity in both. And it's that um, people always say, oh, do you do this for the applause? And weirdly, that's not as satisfying, the end or the standing ovation. That's not as satisfying as that moment when you know, mid-song, mid-scene, dance number, where everyone is in together, feeling it together. And in this play, there are really powerful moments. You can feel the goosebumps. You can feel that I have no idea what's going to happen and they're hanging on every word. And it's so it kind of feels the same. In a very different way, if that makes sense. Yeah, but yeah. It's thrilling. I, I, and, you know, to be given these words by someone as great as Jazz Butterworth is uh, a rare thing. I mean, I know you talked about this. I mean, theater, uh, theatrical productions are not 
they, they don't get up off the ground in two months. It takes planning, and especially with your crazy schedule. It, it, again, it kind of sounds like you've almost found a weird routine in that, like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like you're probably thinking in year or two blocks where it's like, okay, I'm, I'll, I'll, I've, got a, yeah. I've got a play or a musical I want to do, and I'm going to take the best possible material around that. I mean, it's you've yeah, really prioritized it, making sure theater is always a part of it. That was a decision, a definite decision. And I've always, I have this incredible agent, Patrick Weitzel, who was like the young hotshot when uh, I signed with him almost 20 years ago and now runs William Morris and is like, yeah, massive power broker. But right from the beginning, he's always said, you know, that you've got to stay true to your DNA, what speaks to you. And it's good to push yourself, but always for me, it's going back to the theatre, doing film, doing variety. That's yep. always been what has got the best out of me. I find after I do a play, I go back on a soundstage and I am on a set and I am much sharper in front hmm. of the camera. Um, there's something about the rigour of eight times a week. You have to be in that zone, right? There's no like, yeah. I'll come out of my trailer when I'm ready. You know, right. it's you've got to be on, yeah. and it makes you much sharper and more disciplined in a way as an actor. And you get that feeling of the audience. But it it it, it actually, you're right. You you've smartly looked at my career. It feels actually even more planned than it is yeah. because it's like two or three year gaps regularly. I've gone musical play, musical play, right. but. That has been a little more happenstance, more, if anything, this, the desire to keep all those options open to keep going back was from 15 years ago was the plan. Do you find are, are you bad with downtime? Because it feels like I mean <laughs> I mean the last couple of times I saw you I saw you know you you yeah. were you did the Tonys and literally I think it was the next morning you yep. flew off you did Pan, Pan. yeah and then you I sounds like you probably didn't have much time off that came right into this play yeah and, and you know, before that was X Men it's like it's one it's, it's I'm probably I don't know if you're the same. Like, you're always busy, right? I can actually look back to when I was 15, 4, 12. I was always busy. Yeah. I, I, partly it's the youngest of five kids, and you watch your older brothers and sisters go play cricket and do this, and you're not allowed to yet. Yeah. And it's that feeling of, I don't want to miss out, I don't want to miss out. Um, it's true. It's like, even this podcast is like, literally, I there's no reason for me to do this, right. except I want to do it. And well, that's like, a great position to be in. You know? That's the greatest way to be busy. Sometimes in my life I've been busy for the wrong reasons. You right. know, I've been busy because I, didn't, I did a job I didn't want to let someone down, you know, or I did right. it for someone else. And, not, and you know, that is when you can get into trouble. But generally the things in my life that I'm doing, I really love it. And yeah. it is hard to find a balance, yeah. uh, particularly with family and kids. And I like to think that I'm someone who's totally cool not working, but maybe I'm not. <laughs> so <laughs> I haven't really given it much of a go. <laughs> we, we've, yeah, Michelle's good. Yeah, exactly. A lot of back body language to read in this room. Um, we've obviously talked a lot, but we've never had the, the opportunity for like a long chat, so I want to talk a little bit of background. I mean, obviously, um, I'm, I'm just curious about like influences and sort of like what your first passion passions were hmm. growing up were you were you a movie geek were you a theater like was it theater first movies or what or both. pop culture both my dad um my dad was into taking us to the theater i don't think he was ov overly into it but we we grew up going to the theater and i loved it i mean when i was 18 i remember my birthday present was a season ticket to the sydney theater company because mm. i wanted and i that was once a month i went to go and see a new show and i'd go on my own and he bought me the he's an accountant he bought me the cheap package so i was only allowed to go saturday matinee right so i was by far the youngest person in the audience you know and i used to love that and i always did theater i did musicals i did plays we would put on our own plays at school so i was really into sport but 
good at it but not great. I was really into theatre. I was better at that and all types of, of theatre and, and I loved movies. I, I never thought that being in movies was a possibility. Right. I, there was somewhere and I thought, okay, maybe I could be on stage or maybe that's a possibility. But even when I went to drama school... I was not thinking I was going to be in movies. That's been a complete surprise to me. Were there examples around you? Like, what were the first kind of people around you within even at least shouting distance yeah. that actually kind of That's were getting to where you wanted to be? Hugo Weaving. Well, first, first time, for those who don't know Hugo Weaving, they were known from The Matrix or right. all the, those movies with, with the brothers. Um, the Wachowskis, true. Yes. Yeah. And he went to the school I went to. Yeah. And I was taken to the high school by my dad. To, as in, oh, I was 10, and this is the school you're going to go to sort of thing. So he took me to a production of Man of the Mancha, mm-hmm. and I remember buying the the recording of it and listening to it over and over again, and I can still see his performance over and over, how incredible he was. He would have been 16 or 17 at the time. And uh, I remember meeting him when I graduated from drama school and I was asked to do this thing at this event, and he was there, and I, I was kind of really starstruck. And yeah. he's an amazing, amazing actor. That... That was the first time uh, someone at my school from where I'm at had gone on to have a career. Sure. And that was the first time I thought it was possible. And I went to one of those kind of fancy schools where you're meant to be a lawyer, mm-hmm. doctor, judge, that kind of thing. So, and, and acting was a hobby. And what was but I always saw him and I was like, you know what? You can do it. Was your family, was your, was your dad's attitude, was he cool with the one he, he yeah. saw what, how passionate? I didn't think he was going to be cool about yeah. it. Um, I went to him. It's a good story because I auditioned for a drama school and I got in. And then I was so thrilled. I scraped in. I really did. I had to do like a couple of callbacks. And they told me, you're on the sort of waiting list. And I got in. And then the letter came the next day saying, you need to bring your check for three and a half grand, right? And I hadn't even thought. Um, (laughs) Because in Australia, a lot of education is free, right? Particularly when I was there. So university was free and... And I went, oh, right, three and a half, well, and I literally tore it up, put it in the bin. And the day after, my dad's mum's bequest came in from her will, and it was three and a half thousand dollars. That's crazy. Crazy, right? And I'm like, (laughs) that'll make you believe. And I'm like, in the garbage, I'm like, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I'm meant to be doing this, I'm meant to be doing this. But then I was like, I've got to tell dad, like, I wonder what dad will think, three and a half grand. And I went and I said, you know, this is what I want to use the money for kind of thing. And, <laughs> and he uh, said, I couldn't think of a better way for you to use it. He was always big on education. And he said, you know, really, uh, at one point I had a choice between being in a very popular soap opera, Neighbours at the time, mm-hmm. um, or going to drama school afterwards, a full three-year drama school. And I asked my dad his advice and he said, I can't answer that for you and I was like oh, please now don't give me your 21 and you make your own just, right. just give me the easy treat answer. me like a kid for a second just please. A second, please tell me what to do tell me to go to bed <laughs> something and when I told him my decision to go to drama school uh, he was overjoyed and I was like why couldn't you have just shown me a little bit of that <laughs> Just a little bit. Why did you play poker so well? I had no idea what he thought was the right thing to do. But he was very supportive, always supportive. Um, and you've seen my one sh- my show, but I tell the story of Carnegie Hall when he flew in literally 24 hours. Right. Uh, like he had 24 hours in New York. And that's 24-hour flight each way, either end, to go to Australia, to come and see that. Yeah. And, I, you know, cut a long story short, I told him it was casual, but... He wore a black tie because, and uh, when we all, he wanted to walk me to the stage door, and when I said, 
Dad, no one's worrying about tie apart from the choir. And he goes, my son is performing at Carnegie Hall. That is black tie for me. And I remember seeing him actually in the – because at Carnegie Hall, you can see the audience. It's yeah. that opera kind of circular seating. And I could see him while I was sitting down crying. Yeah. See, there's something so that, like, that, that really like touches like, – because I, I was watching uh, you know, when I was reading up last night and, and watching some video, like, I saw your acceptance speech for Boy From Oz, for instance. And right. it's like, it's like those, connecting those moments where you're, like, you're reaching this life goal and then you see right. out of the audience and it's like you see your dad. And it's, yeah. it's just like it, it brings it all together and yeah. it's like you're still that kid. You're still, I'm still the kid who wants my dad's approval yeah. and you know, want his – and, and uh, that will probably never go, yeah. you know, hopefully in a good way. He's uh, – He's always been my rock in, you know, and I think back now to the wisdom of that decision not to say anything to me right. is amazing. But I don't know, if I didn't have him as a father and I hadn't had that example and flash forward 10 years and my son's asking me, I'm telling you, I would have told him, <laughs> no, 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 do this, man. You know, but his faith, I suppose, in me and also yeah. the patience and love to say, hey, if you're going to make a mistake, make it your mistake. Right. Don't. Make it my. You've right. got to make your own path now and live with it. It's a hard thing to do, but you know he was is a great man, kind of in the still waters run deep kind right. of category. I'm curious. So you know, in your twenties, through drama school, and I know you, you you know you get on some TV shows in Australia. You get some acclaim there. You get into Oklahoma, which is mm. a big turning point, I would mm. think. Right? Huge. Were you? Before Wolverine, like, were you up for a lot? Were you doing a lot of Hollywood auditions? Like, were you clo- no. ever close to anything? No, I did like a general audition. Uh, was I close to anything? No, I'm trying to think. There were, no, nothing. I literally just sort of signed because of Oklahoma and the stir that it made yeah. in America because of being an you know, American classic and so it got reviewed. I got an agent off the back of that, but I was on stage. So I hadn't actually ever done the meetings or, and I put down a – it was my first audition really right. for an American movie. And so my agent was like, look, just keep going. People are seeing this. And I ended up doing about six or seven auditions right. over a nine-month period. Um, and I never really thought I would do it. But my agent was like, this is great. Look, Bill Mechanic, who was running 20th Century Fox, he goes, Bill Mechanic wants to see. He wants to actually do a proper film test, you know, with cameras and all that. So this, this is great. So it was a bit of a shock. Well, that's the irony is like looking back, that was actually the casting against type for you. That was 100%. not that was not your career, what you no. were going for. You were you were, had just been in Oklahoma and yeah. you're a foot too tall for the role. In you, every way. <laughs> and anyone who knows me knows that I couldn't be further from like Wolverine. I, right. mean, I mean, even my kid. I, I, I've heard friends of Oscars say, oh, your dad, Wolverine. And he'll go, listen. I'm just going to be upfront. He's nothing like Wolverine. He is not cool. He's not tough. Nothing like that, okay? <laughs> and just shuts it down immediately. And he's absolutely right. So in the kind of luckiest things that have ever happened to me category, being cast in that first was great. I yeah. mean, if I'd done, say I'd come here and done Boy From Oz first, I would never have been seen for it. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and I think just the fact that nobody knew who I was right. probably helped. It feels like it's, it's kind of a – I wonder if today you would be cast in that role in just the environment that Hollywood's in right now. Like, right. Would, again, would also the fanboy service that's out, like, would they be so scared to, like, cast, again, this yeah. guy that's a foot too tall? Like, back in the day, it was like Bob Hoskins was the ideal for the role. Like, totally. that was the guy yeah. that should have been Oh, man, and the, and the effort that went to on X-Men 1 to yeah. make me look short <laughs> – 
I swear to God, there were. I never wore my shoes ever, and I had trenches built. Jimmy Marsden had to stand on these like platform shoes. <laughs> there is one shot in the movie where you can see his belt, and he looks so weird, like like he's got his pants up because he's actually standing like a, a six. <laughs> and he's the not a short guy. But technology. This is the Lord of the Rings way back when. <laughs> and luckily, Fumker and Rebecca, they were all. Really tall. Yeah. The only person on set who was allowed to be shorter than me was Anna Paquin. She she was a kid, right? So we went to such effort and there was such paranoia about it. Um, But, yeah, probably now, no. Do you feel like you had a a beat on it from the get-go? Yeah, I remember even in that audition, I I think I was probably in a grumpy mood. I was in a grumpy mood because I had to do the audition between – shows right and i i ran from the theater to do it and then i had to go back to the theater and and oklahoma was a three-hour show so it was a lot of singing all day and i had two shows to do blah 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 and i remember sitting there and they were keeping me waiting and they knew and i'm like you guys know i have to be back on i have to go and i actually went and i did i said guys Listen, I don't know where I'm at in the list, and I'm sure you're only behind. I've got, I'm, I've got to go. They probably like that because that's what Wolverine would be. He wouldn't suffer fools. He'd be like, totally. And I remember, fuck this. I got a, another thing to do. I'd like to see that tape, but I had a perm for one. I was playing curly. I literally had a perm, <laughs> and because I, I wore a baseball cap, and the guys take the cap off. I said, I don't think so. I don't think it's gonna help anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants and that. No one wants that. <laughs> and I went. I remember going. You go. Can we just go? They said, Do you want to? No. Let's just roll tape. I've got to go in five minutes. Let's go. And I said, okay, done. Let's do the next one. And I think they'll be like, who is this dickhead? <laughs> one, and B, he's perfect. Exactly. <laughs> Finally, a time when you want to be a dickhead. And, 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 we get rid of the right? perm. <laughs> the, actually, the feedback came, get rid of the perm and lose the southern cowboy accent. Oh. You know? <laughs> How the hell I ever got cast? Unbelievable. In the wake of that, it's interesting to look like, you know, in retrospect now, like the films that you did after it. it, I mean, how did you feel about like the choices you were making or the opportunities you were getting then? Because it feels like looking at the first few films after, you know, they're, they're, you know, in all honesty, they're not the best films probably on your resume. But you then in the middle of that, you have Boy From Oz. And then it feels like you click yeah. into suddenly there's the prestige and you're working yeah. with Woody Allen yeah. and it goes to another level the fountain it's true I think at first and and I told you I have the greatest agent and he was like man you got this hit and this thing they're probably going to do another one and um, I want to put you in some movies where the movie's not hanging on you uh, because and I've seen it I don't want to give examples you've seen many times someone has a hit and then all of a sudden they get given three movies right. and they come out in a year and career over you know if it doesn't work and when it feels like the public resents that it's like who decided this guy is like going to yes, be our leading man don't now. tell like, me we'll figure lead. it out exactly and, and I so I did a number of movies which I really like doing like Hayden Leopold or someone like you or Swordfish sure, where sure. it wasn't hanging on my name and I got to I had no experience in film, man. I'd done one TV series yeah. in Australia. I really had done nothing, and all of a sudden I was getting called, all these calls. And I, I, and if you look at those choices, I was really trying to do things that showed other ranges. You right. Know? Uh, so that was that, and, you know, yeah, I don't think there was – It'll end up being the ones that people, you know, if they're doing retrospect of my life, they'll be doing those screenings. But I learned so much. I got a lot out of those. And, hey, Jim Mangold. I know yeah. that was a great movie. I really love doing that, that movie. That one stands you know, out in that Jim. period, totally. It does, yeah. yeah. Um, and then Boy From Oz, what happened with Boy From Oz was 
when we opened, we got really bad reviews, which I don't read, but I was told. I mean, we had a, you know when you get a company meeting the day after the reviews and the producer comes in and goes, we really believe in this and we're not closing it yet? It was one of those, we stood in a circle and I'm like... So they're all raves. I should have read this review. (laughs) (laughs) Because I thought we were doing okay. People were telling me the audience seemed to be liking it. (laughs) Um, Anyway, it ended up being a big hit, but there was a ropey period there. But in that moment, I remember feeling totally at peace with it, even if it it failed. And I had a lot of people, not my agent, but a lot of people who said, this is a bad idea for you to do. Right. Um, But I just felt I had to do it. And it was a gut reaction. And weirdly, off the back of that, Darren Aronofsky cast me in the fountain off the back of that. And Spielberg saw me do that and was the one who suggested me for the Oscars. And, I mean, Woody Allen's people. And it was all of these things where people saw a whole different side to me and gave me these avenues. And then then that's when I clicked into, if you have the opportunity, work with the greatest directors you can. Right. Why and it was I, Nicole Kidman who told me that too. Nick, it, Nick was always like, you, if you get the option, yeah. work with the greatest directors. Because as an actor, it's not easy to get better in film. Yeah. It's not easy to challenge to get any better. You'll only get better if you work with great directors. It, it's so true. I mean, to a man, like the actors that I respect, I mean, I've, always, I've said this for years. If you look at like what Tom Cruise did in the early yes. years, he's working with Sidney Pollack right. and Scorsese yeah. and Oliver Stone. And yeah. It's like, that's, the way to do it. Don't yeah. just like go for the payday. Go for yes. Just go for the talent. Exactly. Surround yourself by the best people, and they'll yeah. make you look good. <laughs> yeah, and I was inexperienced in film. Yeah. So I, uh, I mean, Nolan and Woody Allen and Baz Luhrmann, uh, these guys, uh, Darren Aronofsky. I learned a lot about how to be on a set. Yeah. And I would say it took me three or four years. I, I feel in the last three or four years, the culmination of that what I call my film acting school was mm-hmm. probably, thank God, nine years. And, and I don't know if I deserve nine-year apprenticeship, but I got it. And, right. and I feel that that's starting to pay off now. Is, when you look at The Fountain, which I think is mm. a profoundly beautiful film, emotional film, a mm. wrenching experience for an audience member, um, it, it, does it feel that way to you too? I mean, was the yeah. experience of that like – it must it have was, been extraordinary. It was a life-changing experience and, 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 and profound is a great word for it. I'm still – to this day, so grateful uh, to Darren and the, the memory of working with him. And I, every time I think of him, he's literally next to the camera lens and like a brother. That feeling of literally working with someone who's like a brother. Yeah. And he will go further than anyone. And that, that I, he's a, like a general of the old school. And I won't tell who the actor is, but I never forget this actor going, I was about to take four or five. And Darren can be perfectionist and he goes oh come on you've got it haven't you got it Darren and he goes I don't understand why you don't want to do another one he says oh come on he goes so hang on a sec I've just spent however many years writing this doing this but this morning about an hour and a half lighting this for you to act isn't this what you want to do isn't do you want to be in your trailer do you want to sit there I thought you'd want to be here and he treats that set like a cathedral, like uh, chapel, church, synagogue, sure. anything. It's a sacred space. And that 
respect he has for actors and for the work, I have never forgotten. And that was a life-changing experience. I mean, this is what you hear about somebody like, you know, he gets digs about his many takes, but like you hear about Fincher and he always says, and he said to me and many others, it's like, this is for posterity. It's like, we're, right. we're, we're there to make it as good as possible. Totally. I'm, uh, I'm not trying to get to dinner quickly. I'm trying to make the best movie that will stand the yeah. test of time. Yeah. There's no argument. No, I mean, on some level, I kind of admire the chutzpah of the people who are like, I've done a take. You got it. Right. I'm like, really? You think you're that good? I'm, one <laughs> I'm not one of those guys. I'm, I'm the guy on the putting green who's like, give me another hundred balls. Like, I'm sure I can do that better. I just, right. I, I, I know I'm going to go to bed and that scene I'll never do again in my life. Yeah. Ever again. So I, I want to go to bed just going, I gave everything. Another, I would call him a modern master, Christopher Nolan, Prestige, yeah. which is another just a yeah. gem. Um, just to talk to me a little bit about what he what is. He, he seems to be very, again, someone who who knows how to do his job better than virtually yes. anybody, and it takes it seriously. And oh yeah, what's I mean, what's the environment of a there is a Chris weird Nolan's ease about him, yeah. even from the studio point of view. You don't see these big studio movies in the studio. Even the studio people will come and go. I'm meant to come and turn up. Like I'm, I'm here. Like. There's nothing for us to do. It's right. just everyone crowds into the daily trailer and there's no notes to give them because it's all brilliant, right? But, <laughs> it's so but I just have to turn up. And I remember them sitting there going, hi, you know. He's, there's a real ease about him. Yeah. He wears the same overcoat every day, same right. shoes. I don't, I, don't know, I don't know if he still does that. And he finishes on time every day. Uh, I remember my lawyer at the time saying, oh, Hugh has this kind of trailer. I just, I never get involved with that stuff. <laughs> and Chris will ring my lawyer and say, hey, I'll do you a deal. I'm not going to give a full trailer to an actor. I'm going to, they're going to share a trailer. So Christian and I had a half trailer each. He says, but I'll promise you that he will never be sitting in that trailer for more than 15 minutes. Nice. And he was true to his work. And even we that, were, which is, I mean, not a small film. I mean, it's a this big is, film. Yeah. And all on like, hey, shot in Los Angeles for England. I mean, it was unbelievable. And he gives you a freedom to do your thing. He loves you to create a character, but... You just have this great safety net of knowing that he has this incredible taste. And if you're going off a little bit too much or, again, right. I learned a lot about film acting from him too and how you need to make it your own and how you need to create a full character that you've got to do the homework. Right. You've got to bring that to set. And 10% of what you give, he'll guide you this way. But 90% he'll just let you fly. He's someone that's always worn his influences of um – of, I know he's like a huge James Bond fan. I'm waiting for one day. I feel like one day he will actually yes. make a James Bond I'm film. I'm sure he will. Which will be amazing. Insane. Of course. Yeah. By the way, I remember getting, a, after I hosted the Oscars, he gave me a handwritten note because he was there. It was the year with Heath. Probably Inception or Dark Knight. Yeah, Dark of course. Knight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, his note meant probably more to me than anyone because he's, he's one of those, a bit like my dad, he doesn't give the praise easily. Right. But uh, when it comes, you never forget it. Was uh, speaking of Bond, there, there was talk. Is this one of those old wives' tales? Was that ever something that you came close to doing, or they said that you turned it down? Or what? no, it. What happened was, I got a. My agent said that he had had a call from the Bond people asking mm. if I was interested. Right. You know that typical Secret Service kind of. Thing. <laughs> right. I've since in found out in would. chatting to other drunken Brits actors. <laughs> Five or six people got that phone call, Daniel being one of them. Mm -hmm. Daniel went for it. At the time, I, I just didn't, and I really thought about it. I actually remember ringing Russell Crowe to get his advice on it because I, I I'd always, in a way, dreamt That's that hard to on, say but no I to. But I just started the, the X-Men thing, right. and, I, and that had taken off, and I was like, 
my life would be bond. I mean, hey, high class problems. But I, yeah. I was quite obsessed with that time about variety. Yeah. So, do you um? Oh, we, oh. <laughs> it, I mean, obviously, in the last few years, we've talked a lot about this Wolverine character who. <laughs> like the character itself will never die for you clearly he just keeps going and going and going which is <laughs> amazing will, well <laughs> doesn't seem close at hand um, you're, you're working on a, another solo project yeah, another Wolverine yeah. Jim Mangold and I are working on it really hard and, and uh, I'm very very excited about that actually yeah. so you're factoring somewhere into X-Men Apocalypse right you're going to pop in there somewhere you know I have been speaking to the guys and I am not at liberty to tell exactly what's going okay. on which is largely framing my answer here but um, there's still a lot unknown, actually, yeah. about that. So what but I do know, there's some very exciting things about integrating the whole X-Men world, including the Wolverine movie. So there's some really cool things going on. Yeah, I got the chance to talk to Oscar Isaac the other day, oh, who's, who's playing yeah. Apocalypse the yeah. Bad Guy, which is yeah. awesome. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Do you still geek out about, like, I mean, just again, as a film fan, like, he's also in Star Wars, and, like, everybody, like, well, I watched the Star Wars trailer, like, 15 yeah, times yeah, like right. I'm like still 12 years old yeah like do you, I mean do you get excited I mean have you become a little jaded be, knowing no. how the sausage is if made Star Wars or Indiana Jones I still turn into a geek yeah uh, because that's what I they're, they're the turning points for me yeah. Indiana Jones when I was 12 you can laugh now. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I'm Indiana Jones. I've, but, I've got the fedora right here. Nice. What a segue you just did. I love it. Perfect. <laughs> um, in our last couple seconds here, moments here, yes. um, there's some random questions oh, I love in it. there. Do you want to pick one or two? I'd love to. Okay. Here we go. Favorite cartoon character? Superman. Growing up as Superman. League of... The League of... No, what was uh, the, the uh, League Justice of... Justice League. The cartoon the was Doom. Super Friends. Super yes. Friends. But there was a Hall of Doom that came out of a swamp. Yeah, yes. Oh, oh, oh. That was, a, that, that was the, the bad guys. Yeah, the bad guys. Were they the Hall of Doom? The, there was the Fortress of Solitude. Yes. Oh, we're very rusty. Love it. <laughs> that was my favorite Saturday morning go-to. Nice. I like Plastic Man as well. I thought he was funny. Good. You know who was going to do? The Wachowskis were going to do a Plastic Man no. movie way back when. Way back when. Really? Yeah, they had a script and everything. Really? Yeah. I can't, and then then Matrix got you know <laughs> like, a little bit. This little good film. choice. Yeah, exactly. They went with the Matrix. Beard or mustache. Oh, beard. You're gifted in that you can, I mean, pan, blackbeard. Oh, this is, this is funky going on. That had a little sort of goatee, but that was a serious mo. That was a serious <laughs> mo into the whole thing. And the greatest thing about it, I spent three days at Disney World with my daughter and three of her friends for her birthday. Not, not one. Amazing. Not once. Literally not once. <laughs> to the point where I actually was like, hey, it's me. <laughs> No, I'm <laughs> is, is Deb at this point just sort of like whatever they do to your face fine I, I've seen it all oh yeah no no she's, she's like great it's like having an affair every three months but she was most thrilled that I wasn't being recognized she loved that amazing I mean to walk into Harry Potter world it was just awesome which is amazing by the way having my butter beer bring it on <laughs> you had butter beer oh my god it's not it's, as good as it sounds I will say I couldn't even get through the whole thing it's very sweet oh I don't think it's allowed with your I've seen oh. your Instagram workouts I don't it think is it's allowed. not allowed mate none of that that is probably 11,000 calories <laughs> it's about like uh, one o'clock or something. How much have you bench pressed today? How many people have you just lifted over your shoulders? So many. <laughs> How many have I eaten? Is what you meant to say. Uh, yeah, I've done a bit. I'm, who knows what's coming up next year? So uh, okay. I, I'm a skinny guy by nature. So part of my fear is I, I'm really healthy. I have a great trainer who, like, got, I used to have dodgy knees because in the early days I try and get into shape too quickly. Right. And now. So there's a few things like a bench press, a deadlift, and a squat. And if I have a number to hit, and if I don't hit that, I feel like I'm off the wagon and right. it's just going to be a decline slow <laughs> or quick. 
downhill. And and by the way, that time will come probably sooner than we all think where I won't need to do it and you watch how fast I fall off. I and you'll be like, so. who is that skinny guy walking around? Uh, he was going to bench press me a few times yeah. and uh, go off to do another <laughs> show today and probably shoot another movie in his downtime. Uh, thanks for stopping by, though, man. It's, it's always a pleasure, man. Thank you. And uh, congrats on all you did. And, and I love that you didn't have to do this. I uh, love that. This Thank is fun. You. I mean, hello. Thank you, buddy. Good to see you, buddy. Wolf Pop is part of Midroll Media, executive produced by Adam Sachs, Matt Gorley, and Paul Shear.